GGTMC, we are on the air, and I just want to proudly say that is the debut of our new theme for the GGTMC. A new theme song, baby. Given to us by one Scott. I won't say his last name because he doesn't want us to say it, but from Glows in the Dark, uh, you can find out more about them, uh, glowsinthedark.com slash Bandcamp. You can go to Bandcamp and find out and get some of their music. Scott's been a longtime friend of our show. Long, yeah, long time supporter. Yeah, so like mind. Yeah, genre music, uh, genre film, and genre music fan. And uh, he kind of his music kind of coincides with Will's and I and Will's and I's. Um, Will and I, I would have said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, our taste, our taste tends to be you know right kind of in the middle somewhere. So that, that he kind of worked with that and stuff. And so we kind of hit him up and. We wanted to do something new for the theme. We wanted to have an original theme, a GGTMC theme. Uh, we've been using the, the Good, the Bad, the Ugly theme, or, well, the XT of Gold forever. And uh, we, we've switched up before, but that's only the third time. But this one's sticking, as far as I know, because this is actually written for the show. So, we Yeah, hope- and we, we didn't even give him any direction. He knew us, and because he was a kindred spirit, it was just like, here you go. You know what we are. Can you do something? <laughs> yeah, and kind of, kind of hit the sweet spots. Kind of hit the little bit of Italian in there, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's pretty sweet. I hope everybody digs it. I really do. Um, okay, so that's a little bit of that out of the way. Thanks again, Scott. Uh, we got a one film show this week, sponsored by Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, we're covering the Suckers from uh, nineteen seventy two. Directed by one Which has a double meaning. Yeah. Directed by one. Yeah, it does have a double meaning. <laughs> one, uh, there's a lot of nipple suckers in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what they should have called it. The nipple suckers. <laughs> uh, but uh, directed by one Stu Seagal. Maybe uh, uncle of Steven, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that is what we're covering. Uh We'll talk a little bit about another film that was kind of sent our way called uh, Wild Bill's Run, a uh, documentary. Uh, it's on Hulu Plus and uh, other outlets and stuff, but uh, I believe the name of the label is Cinema Purgatorio, right? I believe so, yes. They hit us up and asked us if we wanted to look at it and stuff and review it a little bit. And we kind of, in our in our normal GGTMC way, we uh, forgot about it probably for about three or four weeks. And... Uh, 
I'll just be honest. And then we uh, we decided to jump on it and stuff. It's only an hour long, but it's interesting. Yeah, I, I would say, though, if I may, not to besmirch their good name, mm-hmm. but we had left it in their court. Yeah, yeah, we did. So we did. Came up. But that's the way people go. We're busy. We're busy. Yeah. Um, thankfully, we got around to it because it's definitely worth our time and your time to check it out, yep. Yep. which we'll talk about later. A lot, of ni- a lot of nice beards in that uh, documentary. Very beardy documentary. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, so that is what we're doing, and we'll do some feedback. Uh, we got a little bit of a late start this morning. We had some uh, some personal and fun issues behind the scenes. Our fun is uh, <laughs> is a word depending on your point of view, I guess. But if you're <laughs> if you're a father, uh, you know you, you've been there, done that. I, I'm actually kind of worried that because we dropped an hour back, that we might have an interruption from. The little samurai this morning, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Not about that, yeah. We might have one because sometimes when the hours change, you know how it is with children. Their sleep patterns don't really change. They just, you know, they sleep about the same amount of time once they get used to it. So mm-hmm. we might have an interruption. So we'll see how much feedback we can get to. And um, that is that. All right, Large William, what have you been watching? We've actually been away two weeks, but uh doesn't feel yeah. like it. <clears throat> Fuck, have we have. Um... Oh man, we've been away a long time. Okay, so this is going back to October. Uh, all my programming was seasonal. I did The Witches, nineteen ninety, Angelica Houston. Yeah. Uh, good friend of the show, Mike from Utah, recommended this film. I watched it with the kids and the wife. It's really, really good. It's a Nick Rogue film, isn't it? Yeah, man. Their first Nick Rogue joint. Uh, Jim Henson did all the pu- the Jim Henson team did all the puppet work. Really, really good film. Um, the puppet work still holds up amazing. Nice. Um, it really, I can't recommend it enough. It's a bit, uh, it wasn't too creepy for my kids. We paused it, showed them the makeup. Cause there's a scene when Angelica Houston pulls her face off to be a witch. Like, <laughs> and I, I have to say like, it would be scary, but my kids were four and two, well, three and five and, uh, just walked them through it. They were totally cool. They loved it. So it was very, very, very good. I recommend, um, I watched The Children, which did on the midnight, the midnight ride, <laughs> uh, as was Spiral, as was The Nightcomers. We rewatched Coraline on TV, despite owning the blue. Yeah, um, yeah that happens. Yeah, we love it. It's it's in my top five favorite kids films. Um, I know Fig Shemp Jay doesn't love it as much as I do, but you can't win them all. Especially with our good buddy in Michigan, (laughs) who is as wild card as wild cards go when it comes to predicting what he'll love. Mm. Um, Unless it's indie American. True. I have a little more of a soft spot. Uh, I had my nephews over. The problem was my kids were still up. I was on full daddy duty because my wife um, said, I said, you know, why don't you go with the girls? I'm going to have my nephews over. We'll we'll watch few films and hang out. Well, my boys wanted to stay up. And... uh, I couldn't pick anything too extreme, so we ended up watching Time Bandits. Oh yeah, which is a good one, which I'd seen, I'd seen before. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not the hugest Gilliam fan. I quite like some of his work, I, but I feel like with his films, you have to kind of settle into his rhythm because he very much has a rhythm, and he, he's, I believe, he's an auteur. He has very much a sensibility when you're watching a film even if you're coming cold you know it's a Gilliam film yeah, he's one of those guys who gets to be an auteur in the studio system and so, it, so it's very bizarre it is and he's had a lot of bad luck on films man <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he's had a lot of he bad luck anyone 
He's had all kinds of problems. Box office problems, all kinds of problems. I mean, I, I don't even know. When I look back at his filmography, I don't even know how he got the money for some of the stuff he's made. I really don't. So. Yeah, because usually if you have, I don't, I don't want to say fuck up because I feel like there was some stuff that was beyond his control, certainly. But if you have a, a fiasco like he's had even once, you know, you're not getting that kind of leeway or, or dough again. But he's been able to do it a few times. And it's, I think you and I spoke about this a few weeks ago, like, how how was 12 Monkeys like a huge hit? Yeah, no. I mean, it, it's a good film. I quite like it, but. How did that appeal to so many people, you know? Yeah, I know. It's a bizarre Very one. Strange. Yeah. Um, so we did that. Uh, then I did the sauna, also for the ride. Uh, Torture Chamber of Dr. Sadism for the ride. The Dead for the ride. And you can hear all these on, on the feed. If you're not a subscribed, you can go download them or subscribe to our feed. And this week, you get those as a bonus to this show. Um, then my kids put on Tim Burton's Batman from 89 or 90. Uh, we had taped it on the uh, PVR, mm-hmm. and um, I was I was pretty excited actually to watch it. Um, but I I gotta say, man, I don't think this one holds up as well as I thought it was going to. No, I really like Nicholson. Even though he's maybe my favorite actor of all time, it's not the Joker. It's totally Nicholson. <laughs> totally Nicholson. Because yeah. he was already at that point well into the years of I'm so big a star. I'm only gonna be myself. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he was totally Nicholson. Keaton, even though he's great, he's given a lot of time to just kind of be subtly left of center and off kilter across a huge table from Vicky Vale and do kind of moderately zany things. Yeah, that's a, that is a big um, table. Yeah, it's a huge table. Billy D. Williams is cast as Harvey Dent inexplicably, and they do nothing with the, the character. Yeah, that's, that, um, that was a strange call there. Very odd, and I love Billy D, but I just think it was an odd choice. Alfred's marginalized and made to be a useless character, uh, even more so. Commissioner Gordon seems like he's always on the verge of corruption in the film. It's uh, it just I, it, it's okay, but I had held it up to be a lot better. Oh, the production design and everything else, and that stuff's fine. But I think it, you can. It's very apparent, as much has been said about that Burton wasn't really much of a huge fan of the comic. Yeah, yeah. Or was even familiar, I guess, would be more accurate. I think uh, I think he's just more... Uh, I can't remember exactly, because I used to be... Well, I, I just can't remember off the top of my head, but I think he was always a fan of the aesthetic, right? But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if he's a fan of the actual comic. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's okay. You can't win them all. But my kids, it was good for them to see something live action. I just don't, I don't like how they... I mean, I understand you want to do your own thing, put your own mark on it, but the mythology of the Joker was just totally changed around. He was given the name Jack Napier, and I don't know. I'm not a purist, and I didn't read Batman growing up, but Batman's very much an iconic character, and I don't know. But hey, the upside, Tracy Walter action figure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Never thought that would happen. No, neither did Tracy, but so <laughs> good on him. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go rewatch the other ones, though, like with Penguin and stuff. I think they might hold up a little bit better in terms of camp or fun. So, Well, Batman Returns is definitely more campy, no doubt about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, Zach, the lightning bug, posted a picture of him in the um, the Chris. Uh, in the Catwoman suit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Chris, uh, Chris, do, 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 sent a woman. Oh, Chris O'Donnell? Chris O'Donnell, the Robin ba- Nipple suit oh. for Halloween in 98. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. It was amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, it was on my wall because I posted a picture of William and Robin, so he posted that. It was great. Um, then I watched, uh, oh, I can't believe I, I realized this, I wrote, I watched, I think it was uh, like a PBS documentary or something like that on YouTube. I was folding laundry one day and wanted to watch something for about 45 minutes. It was a, a series on, on one of the channels called um, Rivals, and this one was Frankenstein versus Dracula. Hmm. And uh, it looked at, at uh, Lugosi and Karloff and their lives. And uh, as much as I'm a fan of the Universal Horror stuff, I can't say I know it beyond the surface um, of it. Like, I'm not one of these guys that's dug into the history of it too much. Right. So it was really, really fascinating. I mean, it was very much, like, you know, kind of surface stuff, but a lot of stuff I didn't know. And, and, and uh, I quite liked it. It was good. It was about 45 minutes long. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it's on YouTube. So nice. Good stuff. Uh, then we watched Arthur and the Invisibles. My wife tried to shoehorn this as a Halloween film because the Invisibles <laughs> were like sprite kind of goblin characters. And yeah, yeah, I didn't really like this one too much. And and I'm glad I'm starting to program my kids' minds because <laughs> they were pretty antsy during it. <laughs> so, uh, but they, it was okay. I mean, once it got kind of moving, but I'll tell you, Epic totally ripped this film off. Oh yeah, totally ripped it off. Yeah. But you know it's okay. It just—I'm not a fantasy guy, and this is very much a fantasy kids movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the way it goes. Um, did the imp for the ride? Uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks meet the Wolfman. This was William's pick. I was kind of consciously optimistic, but I got to say, ever since I've been an adult, I don't think—and even outside of the really terrible sort of live-action films that they have out—I um, don't think the cartoon of Alvin and the Chipmunks has held up very well for me as an adult. Yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't watched or seen or even listened to a chipmunk song <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. uh, since I was very much a younger person. So I don't, I, I don't really have any interest in ever going back. So no. I, I imagine I'll, at some point, I imagine that'll come across though, because I think every kid kind of comes across the chipmunks. So we'll Alvin see. is such a cunt. <laughs> Alvin's the, the shit cunt. he puts his dad slash manager through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, his dad. And it's so weird they call him Dave. Like, just call him dad. I know. It's strange. It's I guess, strange. And, I guess uh, the idea of them calling him dad might have been strange for somebody, I guess. Yeah, but it seems, I don't know. But then it seems even more awkward. Like, he's he's like this Svengali who's got a house full of chipmunk twink. Like, it just, it's oh, so inappropriate. I don't know. I'm I'm reading too much into it now, but I don't think the cartoons held up very well. The strange, the strange shirts they wear. They're, they're like nightgowns. Yeah, the long shirts and the uh, the ball caps and the uh, the one of them has a turtleneck, right? Doesn't one of them wear a yeah, turtleneck? I think, I think Simon has a turtleneck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with yeah. his with his John Lennon glasses. <laughs> Very bizarre. It's uh, it when you think about it as an adult, it's a bizarre cartoon. So. And then the Chipettes, you know, they have like a, a dead mother, which is kind of seems a little more organic. Um, yeah, but Alvin's just not very likable. He's like a Bart Simpson, but he doesn't have as much heart, it seems. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh. But but anyway, this one was okay. Uh, Theodore gets turned into a wolf. A chip, uh, a chip wolf? Be, I guess a wolf. A chip wolf, I guess. Yeah. A wolf monk? A wolf monk. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> it does. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's not instant. It's okay. Nothing great. Um, did Private Parts, the uh, Paul Bartel film for The Midnight Ride as well. Uh, Kuroneko, Midnight Ride, and Perfume of Lady in Black for the Midnight Ride. <laughs> Though that caps off the ride for the season. Those will be coming up as a smattering throughout the seasons uh, to come from Sammy and I and friends. 
then for Halloween, I left it to the group, and uh, I was in the GGTMC. I had narrowed it down to the Halloween tree, which is where I was leaning, or the Adams Family, which I'd seen a lot of clips of, and so, but I'd never sat down and watched start to finish. Um, and it was a resounding The Adams Family winner, and uh, yeah, fun, fun film. I mean, it just it reminds me that Raul Julia left us far too young. And he was just a fucking amazing actor. Mm-hmm. He's so good in it. And Jocko Houston's so good in it. Um, yeah, it's a fun one. Christopher Lloyd's great in it. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Production design's really good. Uh, then yeah, yeah, I, it really was. Yeah. Really, I got to go watch the sequels. I heard they're even better. But um, I totally shifted gears. Got out of Halloween month. Went into November with a bang. With some Dennis Hopper cock. <laughs> Decided to watch uh, Nails, a made-for-TV movie directed by John Flynn with Thomas Millian and Dennis Hopper as old cops. Keith David is like a skeevy kind of uh, corporate guy or like a political. He can't kind of his finger in a lot of pies. Um, Ann Archer, uh, I think I told you, William Halloran, uh, Danny Trejo, Juan Fernandez, a whole bunch of people could push one up. Hopper, just a drunk pervert cop on the edge. It's, it's a fun film. Not great, but very fun. And, um, but then I, I realized I didn't want to leave horror. I was having a lot of fun and kind of rekindled a love of horror that I hadn't felt in a while. And I watched a 1952 Finnish film called White Reindeer or Valhoinen Powder. And, uh, yeah, this was interesting. It's kind of a, I guess like a, a Finnish, what's that? There's a people in Finland, um, they're indigenous to Finland, um, Lapund, Lapund, I think is their name. Uh, anyway, it's kind of like their spin on the werewolf tale of a woman who's becomes a white a white reindeer, and it's sort of like a werewolf tale. It was uh, it was very interesting to see for cultural reasons. A little bit dry, but it's it's definitely interesting to watch. Uh, then I went to Japan, did Vampire Doll, which it really isn't about a doll as much as it's about a vampire girl. An interesting take on the mythology of the vampire. It's a bit more sad and tragic. Um, but I think they squandered a lot. It's only about a 75-minute film, and they set about 45 minutes of it in the daytime. And yeah. like sort of like a bumbling kind of... Not a bumbling comedy, but like this kind of bumbling, kind of bumbling and stumbling through this investigation. Um, but the stuff at night and with the vampire looks really great and is really atmospheric. So it, it, it's still a good one, like probably like a six and a half, seven. So that, and then uh, the films for the show. Nice, nice, quite a bit. Oh right, I well, I've, I've watched quite a bit too, because like I said, it's been two weeks, so that's the way it goes. Uh, but not nearly that much. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't uh, a part of the ride right then, then and there. And I don't, you know, I'm, I'm thankful you did it. But man, I I, I couldn't have found that time. So <laughs> yeah, it was creative watching and recording so i watched uh a band called death nice documentary getting a little bit of buzz around the around the uh the interwebs and among the movie loving public i guess we could say uh very good documentary i gotta say i I didn't know what to think you know there's a lot of these uh bands that should have been uh documentaries it seems um it seems i don't think there's as many as we kind of joke around about but it seems like there's a lot of them um, but this one is really good. It's a really interesting uh, story, and um, 
very much well worth your time to watch. It's on Netflix Instant Watch, even if I don't think you're a fan of the genre of music they play or, um, well, documentaries in general. I just think it's a great story. Uh, this is a great story. Um, I then uh, didn't switch gears and went to another great story, which was uh, the Central Park Five. This was one I actually wanted to see last year. I had, um, after we did our top 30, I always kind of go and look at, you know, popular critics' top 30s. Mm-hmm. And kind of see where they landed. I try not to do that before because sometimes that'll kind of influence you on what to watch when you're trying to cram. And um, but this one kept coming up on a lot of uh, lists. But evidently, you know, a lot of people had access to it. You know, critics and stuff. And and of course, I didn't really have access to it until this year. But it's on Netflix. Instant watch. Both of these are uh, Bank Called Death and Central Park Five. This is really, really good. I mean, this is easily going to be in my top thirty. I don't even know where, but it's it's a definite top thirty, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, basically, it's about the uh, five teenage boys that were accused of rape, and. Uh, in Central Park in 1980, I think, 1980, 1981. Uh, pretty crazy story. It was kind of where that term, the wilding, or wilding, came from. Dude, there's an amazing movie with Wingshauser and Joy Travolta as cops with a bunch of kids that um, are kind of youth gone wild called the wilding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this is the, the, the New York Times and the Post and everything else were using this wilding term a lot. And it's a really interesting story because... Uh, when you look at it in retrospect, you can see a lot of things that are really some people should be ashamed of. Um, that's all I'll say. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Solid stuff. Uh, watched a couple 30 for 30s. I watched one called This Is What They Want, which is about Jimmy Connors, uh, one of the uh, two proverbial assholes of the tennis world in the 70s and 80s. Didn't he wear a headband? Was he a headband guy? No, that was Bjorn Borg. Oh, yeah, but yeah, Jimmy was was much more kind of calm, and he used to, uh, him and McEnroe used to. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Jimmy would be calm until something didn't go his way, and then he would lose his <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah. McEnroe would just lose his shit. Always a fucking yeah. lunatic. Yeah, but uh, they made tennis entertaining uh, for me in the in the growing up. My dad was, no, a, me too. It was in a bizarre, weird way. My dad was a very much a manly man kind of guy, but he, you know, football and and baseball boxing. and basketball and boxing and all this stuff. But, but the man loved tennis. And not to say that tennis isn't a manly man sport because it is a tough sport to play. It's fucking tough. But it's typically a – the history of tennis is typically a white bread uh, country club mm-hmm. uh, sport and things like that. But my dad would get so into tennis. Uh, and uh, he got me into it. I used to love watching tennis. A great tennis match is, is really – it's some riveting shit. It is, man. It's like watching playoff baseball or something. Yeah, one on one. It's fucking intense. You know, you get two great tennis players going at it. It's 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 insane. It's 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 it can just be just as riveting as any sport. And uh, Connor's run in '91 in the U.S. Open was some riveting shit. So that's kind of what it kind of goes into a lot. Is kind of he's 39 years old. Everybody kind of thought he was done. And uh, you know, Jimmy Connors has a great history of winning. Um, he didn't, I don't think he won in 91. I don't, I don't think he did, but he had this great run with a yellow tennis racket and he was really into it and really pumped. And well, anyway, it's just an hour long. It's, it's not great, but it's, it's a fun little story. Which did you, which, uh, outlet did you, ch- did you get a chance to see it on? Uh, I recorded it off ESPN. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, was yeah. this one of the 30 for 30s? Yeah. Is yeah. What you'd say? yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't hear you say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know who Connors to me and I rightly or wrongly always looked like a little bit was, uh, <laughs> Roscoe P. Coltrane. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And he's gotten older. He really does. But he, he's like Roscoe P. Coltrane with a Jimmy Valiant haircut. <laughs> yeah. Not a Jimmy Valiant. Prince Valiant. <laughs> yeah. Got my Valiants mixed e- up. E- but equally as regal. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, baby. Uh, and then I watched another 30 for 30. This one's really good. Uh, no Moss is the name of it. This is about Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran. Uh, and they're kind of rivalry. Um, they're kind of rivalry. They're bitter rivalry, really. Um, and, of course, no mas became a very popular saying. Uh, Roberto Duran, uh, for those who don't know, uh, one of the fights uh, between him and Leonard, he just said no mas and walked away and pretty much sacrificed the fight. Um, there's a lot of controversy over why he did that, considering he was one of the greatest boxers of all time. Um, but, uh, it kind of goes into that. This doesn't really pay off like you want it to pay off because Sugar Ray Leonard's looking for some answers and he's not really talked to Roberto Duran in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kind of meet up, but it does, but you know, you, you're kind of hoping for some answers, but you're not really getting what you kind of want. So that's a bummer when that happens when, it, yeah, but I mean, if you know Duran and you, and you see Duran's part of the story, it kind of makes sense because he doesn't really. You know he's he's washed his hands of the whole thing. So was it? Can I make it? Hopefully I, I don't mix up nicknames. Has he washed his stone hands? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the stone hands. Yeah, wasn't he hands of stone? Was that yeah. his nickname? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one yeah. of those uh, hard hitters. They always said. Yeah. Uh, anybody that ever fought him said he was one of the the greats. And of course, you know his record shows that he was one of the greats. I mean, he was one of the great boxers, and he boxed for a long time. And they boxed some more after that and stuff. But you know. There was a, for Leonard uh, his career. I think it was the Duran rivalry and of course the Hagler rivalry. Mm. Uh, those were the big ones for him. And uh, what a great era for boxing! Uh, what were they middleweights? Uh, lightweights, I think. Right. I was, what a great era for lightweight boxing, man. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, and uh, it was. You know, it's it's weird how boxing is now. It's like boxing doesn't have that mythology to it anymore. No. Sugar Ray Leonard, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, even. Oh yeah, I think maybe you know, Vander Holyfield might have been the last, the last, yeah, that might iconic have been kind of guy who transcended the sport in some ways, or it seemed to be, yeah. Boxing, unfortunately, it's just I couldn't tell you five prominent box, maybe no, probably not ten prominent boxers nowadays, man. I don't even know who the heavyweight champion is right now. No, is it Klitschko still? I don't know. Fuck, I don't know. I don't know. And then there's I know there's Manny, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's I mean, there's certain guys you we guys, know, right? Yeah, but it, it doesn't seem to be in in the public or the sports conscience like it was in the eighties and nineties. But that has partially to do with with the the advent of MMA. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of taken a a bit of the popularity away. But mm. and that and it seems like the mythology of the MMA fighters is it. I mean, I think they've done the right thing as far as promoting their sport. No big time. Uh, they they made, no yeah, they've made these guys bigger than life, right? And that's <laughs> that's what you got to do. And when it comes to boxing and uh, <laughs> wrestling and things like that, you have to do that. What's the point where George St. Pierre is going to play Bat Rock in the new Avengers film? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So That's how you say his name, right? I've never said it aloud. I don't know. Who? Is it Batroc? Batroc? He's the French, the French, like, he's Captain France, is he not? Uh, I don't, I have no idea. <laughs> I trucked the leaper. Let me just see here very you quickly. Th- you threw me. You threw me for a loop. Sorry. So all I can say is sacre bleu, sacre bleu. <laughs> Georges Batroc. Oh, he was uh, the Thunderbolts, Batroc's Brigade, Masters of Evil. Yeah. yeah anyway, oh, yeah. he was. Oh, I guess Mark Wade has described him as he was a Jean Claude Van Damme, but he was in the sixties. <laughs> Amazing. Nice. Nice. Did you see, sorry to cut you off. Have you seen that Halloween picture of? Yes, I have. <laughs> so fucking good, Van Damme with the yeah. witch hat on. Amazing. 
Yeah. The thing is, somewhere behind the scenes, he, you know, I would think that he would be doing that for a joke, but I just have a feeling that he like is really proud of that outfit. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he because yeah. he is who he is, you know. So. Amazing. Okay. Uh, so I watched a couple of recent sci-fi films. I watched the uh, Total Recall um, remake. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Len Wiseman. I, I really couldn't get into this thing, man, and you know. Um, the production design was one of the big problems for me. Uh, I think they tried to go for a like a, like a modern take on like an overpopulated city, and it just doesn't work. And the story for Total Recall is an easily, I think, adaptable story for tension because basically oh, it's yeah. a chase film, right? Absolutely, a but, man, a fish out of water, uh, chase film. Yeah, yeah <clears throat> this one I never felt like any tension. I just felt bored, and uh, that's a real shame. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, I make fun of Lynn Wiseman too sometimes, but I've I've enjoyed some of Lynn Wiseman's films. Um, he definitely has a very slick, very standard look for it's a Hollywood, you know, very Hollywood film look. Um, but uh, this one's really just a total waste of time, in my opinion. Now I know some people in our group liked it. Uh, that's fine. So I'm fucking watched it 25 times. Yeah. I think <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I won't even compare it to the original because I don't like compare remakes because I mean it's pointless. Um, there's no way if if you love something you grew you grew up with you're gonna love something else more. I mean I don't it, think there's it, any way, but you know it, it's, you're just it's destined to fail that comparison. Yeah. So I, I I did not look at it in that capacity. I looked at it as just a standard film, and I could not get into it from the get go. I just I didn't like the way they set up the recall. Uh, I didn't like uh, there's just a lot of stuff I didn't like. Uh, the females in the film while they look great, Kate Beckinsale and uh, uh, Jessica Biel. Um. <laughs> they were very uninteresting. <laughs> Did I wonder if Zom would have watched? I wonder if Zom. Would I think that's why he liked better. the film. By the way, <laughs> I, I can bet you he died. I think he's a big Beckinsale fan, but he's a big Beale fan too. Oh, that's right, he is. He loves Beale. That's right. Yeah, that, there you go. That's why he's watched it twenty five times. <laughs> yeah. Not for, but he also liked Collins Clackers. Yeah, uh, he does have some impressive Clackers. Yeah, so I wonder that that's that trifecta. But I wonder if he would like the original more if it had Sly instead of Arnie in it. I don't know. No, maybe, maybe. I, I seriously doubt it, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I then watched Oblivion, which is the Tom Cruise film. This came to me uh, through via Netflix, uh, Sacrebleu, and uh, I did want to see this because I thought production design wise it looked fascinating. Uh, I know they shot it in uh, Iceland, I think, or somewhere like that. I don't know. Uh, it looks. Uh, it this movie looks great. I mean, Blu-ray wise and everything, it just looks. It looks fantastic. It really does. Uh, unfortunately, the film is uh, a bit of a mess. Uh, like an hour in, I was really into it. I was into the mythology. I was into it uh, most of the way. Uh, I don't think Tom Cruise was the right person for this film. That's that's one of the shames of it. I mean, he's a big movie star and stuff, and and I I don't have any problems with Tom. Uh, he you know he is what he is, and I expect a Tom Cruise movie when I watch a Tom Cruise movie. Um, unfortunately, I think this is like uh, it could have been like stronger if they'd had like a western type of strongman, not a lot of dialogue type of performance. Uh, he has a little bit of dialogue and stuff, and some he has some very Tom moments in the beginning. And I thought, oh come on now, this is this is uh, this is not where you want to go with this film. Uh, and unfortunately, fortunately, they uh, they they killed that uh, early. Um, some of the mythology of the film is really good, but then it gets into some stuff that I just can't stand in science fiction, and uh, I don't want to give it away because uh, it's a spoiler if I talk about it, but uh, it's a heavy spoiler. It's actually most of what the film rides on. Um, but 
visually, this is the same guy that did Tron Legacy. Uh, oh, I, right. I think this guy's going to eventually make a really, really great film because uh, I think he has the visual flair. He's just got to get the he's got to get the right story. Uh, but I've seen, you know, both of his films, I think, visually are completely very interesting. I mean, I, just, you know, it's one of those Blu-rays where you show it to somebody and it's like, ooh, you know. A showcase. Kind yeah, of. yeah. And it has some nice production, some nice production design, nice, interesting ideas. But uh, sadly, not great. Uh, not awful, but not great. I, you know, I'd, I'd say if you're a big Tom Cruise fan or if you are, you know, interested in a Tom Cruise science fiction movie, check it out. If not. Eh, maybe one day when you got nothing else to watch. Um, let's see what else. Like a got. six for you? Would you say? Uh, yeah, somewhere between. Yeah, yeah, about a six, six point five, maybe. Yeah, watchable, but uh, I've seen better. Really, okay. um, you know, there's Zoe Bell's in this film and has no dialogue, and yet shows up a lot in the background. I feel like everything she might have done got cut from the film. It's very strange. Seems like she's still showing up a lot in the background. Yeah, I know. Uh, Morgan Freeman's in this as well, and it, it, it's just—I don't know—it's—it's it's a bit of a mess. It really has. It's one of those films where, really, about an hour and a half in, you can really tell it turns into a total Hollywood movie. Like it Ugh. turns into a total like we really got to amp this up because people are by this point are like this is a little heavy-handed with all your theology and all your thoughts and and everything. So I think we need to turn it on here because people are going to walk out. <laughs> So you do you feel that is this like an all Ron Hubbard joint? Oh, there there are moments. Uh, there are moments I'm sure where uh, watch it. Yeah, bits and pieces are there. Um, yeah, I'm sure there are moments where that's there. But uh, I don't think I've ever. Yeah, the Scientology thing. I didn't even really talk about that. Um, I don't. You know, I don't have one. I don't have one way to say on it one way or another because you know, you know, their belief is their belief. It's probably. Actually, their belief is probably more legitimate than the belief in Christianity. But uh, you know, it, it it's mm-hmm. obvious that uh, they're both. Well, I don't want to step on any toes. Well, you know, we'll move past this. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I find I have a hard time swallowing uh, <laughs> the mythology of Scientology. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you think about aliens out there. It's just, <laughs> it's probably believe it or not, it's probably more realistic than the a guy on a cross, a white guy on a cross, for that matter. Yeah. Um, but either way, all religion is ridiculous and that's 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 just the you know that's just the way it is i mean or it's your right and if it makes you happy as long as you're coming out of someone's throat then yeah 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 that's what it really comes down to for me is i don't really care what you believe just don't tell me that i need to believe it exactly um because i don't believe anything i don't believe in anything except pam greer yeah possibly yes and the fact that i have some white out on my desk and i don't know where that came from (laughs) <laughs> White out, he says. But I mean, you know, uh, that stuff kind of is is going to leak through, uh, especially when you get a producer. I don't even know if Tom Cruise was a producer on this. He produces a lot of his films. Yeah, I know he's he does. always very actively involved. And in- yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's very much a Tom Cruise movie, right? So I mean, it, yeah. it, I would say so. But it, it leaks through in in maybe the end a little bit. Not so much in a lot of the other parts of it and stuff. I haven't seen After Earth yet, which is the other Will Smith one, which I've heard is very Scientology like to. Is that the one with his son? Yeah, yeah, that's the M. Night Shyamalan one. It's gotten tr- beyond dreadful review. Yeah, no, it's gotten trashed. I'll man. never watch. I will <laughs> never, ever watch yeah. that. I would like to say I'll never watch it, um, but I say that about a lot of things, and then, you know, I put stuff on my Netflix queue, and I totally forget because I never oh. check it. <laughs> I don't care how good the blue looks. The blue could... <laughs> Well, it's could an M. Night Shyamalan movie, talk. right? Yeah. Oh, and I don't mind Shyamalan's early work, but he's... I mean, he, even up to and including... 
the village, but uh, I just haven't seen Lady in the Water. Uh, I like Signs. I mean, um, I love Signs actually, but I like the uh, the Happening. Is that what it is? Um. Yeah. 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 The I quite like the Happening, but <laughs> this a, one, a bizarre I, one. I don't like Will Smith, and his son's a fucking little punk. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very bizarre that 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 you know, but but I expect you know with the advent of uh, Scientology growing more and more and the amount of money put into it and stuff that you're going to see more and more of that stuff. You're just going to see it. I mean, there's no way around it. But you're seeing is the beginnings of a religion that I think will not go anywhere. Yeah, I uh, I will always have time and a place in my heart for Battlefield Earth uh, with the Cowardly Lion and John Travolta. Yeah, definitely, no doubt about it. (laughs) No doubt about it. That'll be the Scientology film of all time. Yeah. Yes. Very silly. Um, uh, then I watched uh, We Steal Secrets, the story of WikiLeaks. Yes, the uh, this is an Alex Gibney film. Uh, I can kind of be hot or cold on Gibney, but this one I really liked a lot. I really like the story of uh, Julian Assange and, uh, and the WikiLeaks. And, uh, you know, I have some personal opinions of, of that whole thing, which I won't get into here, like I did with my religion thing there. But um, it is it is a very interesting story, to say the least, and a story that's really kind of still developing. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of like, you know, it kind of plays on your theories on is, should information be free, you know, and security and and all of these things. And uh, it kind of messes with you a little bit because, you know, as, as most of us know, uh, once you have children and things like that, you start to think about things like security and stuff like that. But then when yeah. a lot of people, when they don't have those things, they, they think about... Um, uh, the fact that you know everything should be free, everything should be public knowledge and stuff like that. So it kind of messes with that a little bit and uh, kind of your theories on that and stuff. And you know, I definitely fall on one side, uh, but uh, it is interesting the 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 theory behind it. Now that uh, you know he's become the face of it is not surprising to me when you kind of get to know him in this uh, documentary. Um, he seems like a guy who's kind of obsessed with fame a little bit, but Assange does. He does. He seems like yeah. that. Yeah, isn't he? He's very. It's like um, he's uh, he's from Switzerland or France. No, oh, he's Australian actually. Is he Australian? Oh yeah, but he he does very much feel uh, in the stuff I've seen very much like someone who who revels in kind of that um, jet set lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, and he's a shit starter. I mean, he loves to. He loves to, as he says, uh, get the bastards. That's what he. Mm. You know, so he loves to. Uh, go after people in power mm-hmm. and he, he just really enjoys that so you know you get somebody like that and you get somebody who has you know a hacking background and a very strong computer background and you're gonna you're gonna you're asking for trouble so well if you're a government you're asking for trouble let's put it that way um but you know it's part of me you know morally you know i mean uh, i understand where he's coming from because uh, there are there is some stuff that will blow your mind uh, no doubt about it. If you don't know anything about WikiLeaks, I imagine it will really will blow your mind. But of course, if you've kept up with it a little bit uh, behind the scenes, nothing in here really new. But uh, it is interesting, kind of the story. Uh, and then the only other thing I watched was Wild Bill's Run, which I guess we can both kind of talk about a little bit here. We might not have time for feedback today. We might just be doing the show. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I watched Wild Bill's Run as well. This is essentially the story of uh, what was his last name? Wild Bill something. Wild uh, Thompson. Bill Thompson, I think it was. I think it was it actually. Cooper, uh, Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. Yeah, there we go. Wild Bill, Wild Bill Cooper. Cooper. Oh, no, no, that's not Cooper. What did he say? Uh, <laughs> Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yes, Dylan. 
But uh, Wild Bill's Run is uh, essentially a documentary. I'll give it like a this is a short review. We won't go into a detailed review on it, but uh, it's the uh, strange true strange but true story of snowbilling outlaw Wild Bill Cooper. Now that is that sounds GGTMZ right there. Snowbilling snow snowmobiling outlaw. I said snowbilling, didn't I? Snowmobiling outlaw. There we go. So uh, yeah, very interesting uh, guy. This uh, Wild Bill Cooper. Um, what did you think of this uh, well, little documentary? It's only an hour long. Yeah, and it's on uh, Vimeo, I believe, as well as Hulu. Yep. Uh, if you Google it, you can find it on, I'm sure, a few uh, streaming services. It, it's certainly a very peculiar story, um, and it kind of shows sometimes. I mean, I wouldn't say it's completely bonkers, but it's a, it's a, it's a left field human interest story that kind of shows that truth can be stranger than fiction. And I, I think it's a pretty um, it's a pretty poignant story in some ways because it's. Um, well, I'm a sucker for older men recounting tales of their youth, I think, because there's something kind of urgent and poignant um, and poetic about someone who was very aware of the fact that their best years are behind them. They don't have very many years left. And I think sometimes when we see, like, if, if I was to walk by, like, a senior citizen and he, he dropped, say, a grapefruit on the, not to generalize, they all eat grapefruit, but if I was going to pick up a grapefruit at the store and give it to him, not to say I would certainly dismiss him, but this guy could have been um, fought in the war. He could have been an adventurer in the 50s or 60s and had a much more amazing life than me. But it's that cruel thing of the older you get physically, your body starts to break down. And, and there's a lot of stories to be told, though. And oh, yeah. they speak to a lot of men that, you know, for those that just to give the people an insight in this, they snowmobile or the, the intent is to snowmobile from Minnesota to fucking Russia, yeah. <laughs> and then around again. Yeah, across the uh, the Arctic Circle, right? Inhospitable uh, terrain in terms of cold, and it's just extreme weather, and and yeah. So I mean, it's a very poignant thing, and and they were doing it just because they wanted to to do something. And I think there's something, even though it it it's maybe a bit of a foolish notion. There's something romantic about. Um, someone wanting to do something, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just to do it, yeah, yeah. No, I I like that mentality of you know this kind of adventurous spirit, this mm-hmm. kind of uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. That's the best I can do right now. The adventurous spirit, but I like the the idea that a couple, you know, some guys sit around and you know say, hey, listen, you know, you know, nobody's ever done. Why don't we ride snowmobiles to Russia? <laughs> you know, it's like. And this, keep in mind, this was 1972, the height of the Cold War, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe post-Cold War, but certainly still Russia was not as hospitable. Some would argue, and I would argue, that Russia's even not fucking hospitable nowadays. But um, this was when it was still very much Soviet. Like it was the USSR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, still the Iron Curtain, right? Yeah. But it is interesting that he would get these guys to go along with him and stuff. And just, just insane trips, you know. It just seemed like a bunch of guys, you know, sitting around and, like, didn't have nothing to do. They're like, let's just go with Bill, you know. But they also kind of go into the documentary. They kind of go into how Bill Cooper is this kind of guy that can, you know, he could sell snow to a Minnesota, <laughs> Minnesota person, you know, exactly. You know, he's one of these guys that could sell shit to anybody. Uh, he seems like the kind of guy that could get people to do stuff is what they keep talking about. He's a charismatic leader type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he had this kind of great mythology. He supposedly left home at thirteen and 
lived in the wild and he's almost like his Paul Bunyan type. <laughs> well, he does. And the thing of that is that's a great story because they talk about how up until he was 13, his mother used to put his lunch in a map. Yeah, and then at thirteen he realized what the map was for and, and never went back home. Yeah, it's just, it's like got this legend <laughs> story, right? So campfire kind of tales. Yeah, so it's a really interesting little documentary. Um, I mean, there's nothing flashy about it. It kind of goes into how what uh, what they think and and how they think Bill may have financed most of his trips and yeah. And then of course the kind of great mystery about uh, the Bill Cooper myth is that uh, he kind of disappeared. Nobody knows where he went. Some people and to this day, yeah. Some people, some people think he disappeared into the wild and that he's still out there. He's either, what did they say? They think he's either dead in the ground in Mexico or living it up in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Because he was Canadian. He was from Nor. They said North Canadian. I don't know what exactly where North. I mean, I mean Yellowknife. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, North North Canada. Canada. Canada would be. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, that goes goes quite a way. I can see where you could get lost, and uh, you could probably lose yourself in Canada, and you could probably make yourself disappear. Because I mean, I know there's you very a- much you could. There's a lot of land that um, isn't frequented by a lot of people, and with someone with his knowledge and experience and charisma, he could insert himself, especially before this age of DNA and the internet. Sort of everyone's everywhere all the time. Oh yeah, he could have slipped into anonymity and and. Um, and never looked back. But yeah, it was fascinating just to see too some of the the fate that came upon like the sometimes Inuit people that would come and kind of surreal, like literally save their lives. They'd be trekking through somewhere where these guys were and um, give them gas and food. And yeah, they got they once they got to a certain point, their snowmobiles were just couldn't handle the fucking cold. And there's this great story about this uh, Inuit man building these age old sleds for them. Yeah, yeah, that you know goes to show kind of the craft work of of the people. It's real kind of a great kind of hard man documentary. Like it's sixty minutes long. I think it's smart to do it that long because it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah, I would have liked it more if they would have worked on the theory of because uh, there is a theory that Bill Cooper was DB Cooper, which which I, I have to say, truth be told, at the back end, not to say my interest was waning, it wasn't waning at all, but at that, my ears really perked up. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, that's a wrinkle, wow! And you know, then it really looks like it's um, it's it's got some some legs to, but maybe they felt like it was too speculative for them to give too much time to. Yeah, yeah. But it was a very interesting uh, wrinkle to things, and um, yeah, I just think it. Uh, even the guys looking back, the older guys, and they say, you know, looking back now, I don't know how I did it or why I did it, but just wanted to do it and and be and it's like they even like sort of openly kind of speculate like how could i and and certainly for the best they all look back at it in a very positive way but they're like i can't believe i up and left my family for four months to snowmobile to russia <laughs> i know i know and those guys that are they're still like three or four of them around and stuff i imagine they just yeah. got great stories you know but oh man that's the yeah that's the kind of granddad you want right these got these amazing stories and i just think for i think for us as we can become older I think the the beauty of 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 this notion of the ordinary man has an extraordinary story is very appealing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because it is interesting. It is. I mean, it's, and it's always interesting. The myth kind of goes with that that outlaw myth, anyway. the The outlaw yeah. myth, you know. I mean, Bill Cooper is kind of like a 
almost like a Jesse James type or a uh, yes. I mean, I'm not going to say exactly like that because I mean, there's there's obviously with every outlaw, quote unquote, there's a difference, but um, there's also this kind of anti-government, anti-establishment type attitude, and you know, a man who wants to do things his way and stuff. That a little bit of that kind of comes into it and stuff. So he's almost like a modern western kind of outlaw anyway so that makes the story that much more interesting i mean and it's a lot like the db cooper myth i mean that's kind of like an outlaw myth and nobody really knows what happened uh, i mean i think a lot of people think they know i mean we could speculate and kind of figure out what probably may have happened but it's kind of fun to think you know even though i don't agree with what he did you know morally but it's kind of fun to think uh about you know db cooper out there somewhere you know, that he got away with something, you know, that he's maybe just maybe he's working at a bank. Of course, he's probably dead now anyway. But, you know, what I'm saying, I mean, it's just kind of fun to kind of have those thoughts, you know. And I do want to say, speaking of James of sort or no, maybe you said Jesse, I should say Jesse's the um, the army major in the Arctic Circle looks like fucking Jesse the body Ventura. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does. <laughs> he does, man. Some very stout individuals in this documentary. Very mm. manly men. There is. Kind of guys that I don't know what they would eat out there. <laughs> oh boy, oh, man! Yeah. But yeah, that's our thoughts on Miles Bill's run. She definitely, it's definitely a check. I don't know how to rate. I don't know if I could rate it. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'd probably give it like a seven and a half, though. I, th- I was really yeah, I into think it. Seven, seven and a half is a good score. I think it's an hour long. I mean, it's it's a human interest story, right? It's good yeah. stuff. That's yeah, good stuff. All right, we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about the suckers. Or the suckers from nineteen seventy two. The suckers sounds like a black exploitation film. So <laughs> yeah, it totally does. <laughs> Maybe that's Tom Cruise's next Scientology movie. <laughs> Actually, there is some sucking in Oblivion. So there we go. Yeah, I, did, I just thought about that. Not, not the kind you want. All right, so <laughs> it involves salt water, um, <laughs> which just makes it sound even more bizarre when I say it like that. <laughs> if you hadn't seen it, you're like, "What the hell?" All right, so um, all right, we'll take a short break. Come back right after this. miles of bad road and now they have a microphone and their own show it's the daily grindhouse podcast the official podcast of dailygrindhouse.com starring g you tell that bitch who sent you here how sorry i am i can no longer be her friend and the man called perry i'm the one that killed monday whooped and put wins in the hospital all the birds did a tell five did not the birds spare the old stuff reviewing the hits and the hidden from the world of exploitation cinema and beyond featuring exclusive cast and crew interviews past guests include john carpenter robert forster brian trenchard smith but still no steve gutenberg <coughs> well uh we'll get him someday we promise i mean we promise. The Daily Grindhouse Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, Podomatic, and of course at dailygrindhouse.com slash podcasts. The Daily Grindhouse Podcast, tough films for the rough crowd. Got the goddamn message? Let's go to work. Nice. All right, we are back. A little Great up. promo, Jeff, uh, yeah. cut over there, man. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> really good stuff and yeah I'm, I'm all for it man get the goot on there large williams a big fan <laughs> i think goot's goot who has no business doing so has stood up a few two of our friends that i know of 
So I'll say it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He stood up a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. Fuck the goot. <laughs> the goot, man. He's standing people up. He's standing people up. Must be that workout regime he has. He guy's in great yeah. shape for his age. All right. Yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> 1972's The Suckers. Uh, directed by Stu Seagal, a.k.a. Written by Harold Lyme. Yeah, a.k.a. Arthur Bird. Yeah. Uh, Art Bird. The um, plot synopsis is as such. A rich and powerful big game hunter tires of tracking and killing animals and gets an idea. He will invite the owners of a model agency he knows and two of their models to be guests on his estate for the weekend and use them as objects of his latest hunt. Um, Thanks, this, Frank Fob, too. Yeah, this movie's as ridiculous as it sounds. Um, that flot synopsis. That, that flot synopsis. That was a, yeah, that is a flot. Um, uh, yeah, so basically this is a take on Most Dangerous Game, uh, a story that's come across our show quite a few times now, and I'm sure will come across our show quite a bit more. It's a great exploitation setup story, right? So Totally is. Um, one of the best. Yeah, uh, and this one is handled in one of the worst ways. So let's see how and <laughs> what you thought of this one, Large William. Okay, so Vincent, this is a Vinegar Syndrome release. It's on a double disc alongside The Love Garden. Yeah, which also has Barbara Mills in it. I guess this is like a Barbara Mills double deuce here. And that's where a love triangle unfolds between a young writer obsessed with his beautiful neighbor who, unbeknownst to him, is involved in a lesbian relationship. Well, that sounds like a clip I watched last night before I went to sleep. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> ooh, so, sorry, ooh, sorry. A little three-minute clip, y'all. Ooh, sorry. And, uh, I choked on my it. Gutenberg. <laughs> um, okay, so Vincent put this out, and the the source material wasn't in the greatest shape. But as always, I think they've they've done a very admirable job in yeah um, trying to restore things because it's very very watchable. There's some some pops and hisses and scratches and stuff, but it still looks very very good, and and they've yeah. done a great job in restoring it nonetheless. You're you're being in my opinion, you're being pretty kind. It is in rough shape. I mean, it, they do a good job, no, no doubt about it. I, I, I think the print I'm is giving a terrible them the shape. benefit of the doubt yeah. for their track record. I think because yeah. I think up until this point, from what we've seen, they've gonna done a good job. Let's face it, they're not they're not. Um, well, this film is in awful shape. In, in, in their defense, I don't know if there's any way. I mean, you would have to go into a major restoration to restore this thing. You would be going into major. Uh, financial pitfall yeah because to <laughs> spend the money to restore a, a very much a um, um a drive-in film a drive well even more specific it's like a software this is a softcore porn is what this is so, yeah no this is no. a peep this is like a there's no essentially to it i was gonna say essentially you know this is definitely this is a softcore this, is a, porn this is the well we've done a hardcore film with me and my wife i run not well hang on let me back up my wife and I have reviewed a hardcore film on this show. Yeah, we have done a hardcore film. We've done in a life. Hardcore film. No, I'm not. Yeah, I have my kinks, but uh, making porn with my wife for one to see isn't one of them. Um, uh. <laughs> Jesus, the suckers is very much a softcore film. Yes, the first one we've covered on the show. Um, it would play. This would play in the porn theaters, right? So yeah, it would. It's a it's a stroke film. <clears throat> it's a stroke film, yep. and. Uh, Oh, we got to put in uh, that song "Stroke" <laughs> love it. I love. I love that uh, that uh, freak can use Clarence Carter and kill and uh, I was going to kill Bill and uh, Killer Joe. Yeah. Anyway, um, the film the film opens, and I, I think, like I said, I'm just contextualizing uh, based on their other releases. Yeah, 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 and so, and most of our listeners are going to understand what we're saying here because yeah. uh, they're going to watch films like that. 
or VHS rips. Yeah, or VHS rips. But he does have some pops and hisses and some sound quality issues. And this, you know, so our listeners who don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff, just so they're aware if they decide to go the route to check this thing out after we talk about it, um, it is not going to be the quality of DVD that you're used to if you're going to go out and buy a Blu-ray of Man of Steel next week or something like Correct. that or two weeks well, from now. <laughs> there's a few different kinds of Men of Steel in this. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there's some, also some uh, Men of Baloney because there's some limp, limp. There's a going. lot of flabby <laughs> midsections. And... Oh, yeah, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels like, this movie almost feels like a, a group of guys just wanted to get some hot chicks and make a movie just so they can make out with them Dude, on screen. <laughs> you totally, especially with... The uh, the head of the modeling agency who wears an ascot down to his mid sternum. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. It seems like all the get men this have a penchant for wearing Iron Mike Sharp esque watches. <laughs> all of them do, but it's great because I, I even one of my notes is the guys in this film had to be producers or they had to kick in bread for this film. Yeah. Because with all due respect, they have no business making out with these chicks. It's like they got a hundred grand together and said, "Let's go shoot this film. Um, we'll get to make out with chicks and tape our cock to our thigh and gyrate against them." And yeah, I would think you know. that most of these people are porn actors or ex-porn actors or just you know, because I know the guy that played Steve that played Vandermeer. Steve Vincent, oh, the guy that he's, he's fun. Yeah, he's kind of fun. He wears the uh, safari hat and he has a little fun stuff. And he's got some crazy uh, di- uh, kind of like uh, monologues. <laughs> well, he he reminds me of a cross. He's like the love child of Hugh Hefner and William Shatner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got the wavy. He's got that wavy hair. Yeah. But he was in a lot of Ooh. films as a. Uh, he was in one called New Django. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I saw that. But he's in a lot of. Uh, looks like I would say most of these are porn, if yeah. not. Softcore porn, but they're definitely Dar she blows, yeah, yeah. So he's definitely that he, uh, you know, it looks like you know he didn't. He only worked from uh, late sixties or well, actually early sixties to nineteen eighty two. He's got a film called All Men Are Apes. Suburban Pagans. Oh, oh wow! He had a major D spot on I Dream of Genie, nineteen sixty eight. I have to go back and check that out. I still, I still think New Django's Lash of Lust. Yeah, you don't get a much better title than New Django. <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm I really want to. I really want to see New Django now. Well, so do I. I'm surprised <laughs> that George Eastman never did New Django. Oh, he was in the Mothers. Yeah, the plot synopsis for a New. Yeah, I saw that. The plot synopsis for New Django, Blanker. which is also known as Brand of Shame, is uh, a school teacher arrives in town with the map to a gold mine. The lesbian dance hall owner schemes to steal the map. That's the <laughs> plot synopsis of New Django. <laughs> nice. And it has an actor in it named Red Rivers. So, oh, I hope that's not a woman. <laughs> Oh yeah! Ooh. <laughs> oh. Sadly, three of the or two of the three female leads in this are, are no longer on this earth. Yeah, I, I kind of looked into that it's a little bit. Bad. Yeah, I don't one know. one they have no idea where she is, but the one they have no idea where she is worked the most legitimately in film. Uh, Laura Ro- Laurie Rose. Yeah, she was in the Abductors, the Hot Box, which is a pretty famous drive-in film. Police Women. Uh, Police Women, which I'm a fan of. Mm-hmm. I've wanted to cover that forever. She did an episode of Hill Street Blues. Give me a break. She well, nice, did. Uh, nice. Have she ever, did Mama's an episode of Mama's Family. She was in Waxworks too. Is have I ever LD told Cancer. you about my fantasies with Nell Carter? Have I ever told you about my fantasies with Nell Carter? <laughs> to break her off a little something. Oh yeah. Um, Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I, I love that show as a kid, man. I did too. Yeah. Um, oh, she was in Jumper, huh? 
No, that was 2002's Jumper. <laughs> different Jumper. She was in a film called, with GGTMC, a title as it'll get, Extreme Whoa. Vengeance, 1990. Whoa. This version of Jumper sounds amazing. It's got Vernon Wills, William Smith, and Joe Estevez in it. Oh, my God. Oh, it's even got Constance Estevez in it, who I don't even know who the fuck that is. I don't know. Oh, this sounds amazing. And Jimmy Williams is in it, and he wrote and directed it. This has got to be a fucking shitstorm. i got to see this thing. It's got an Armenian brother-sister combination, the Barsagian twins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man, i got to check this out. Yeah. Uh, jumper. <laughs> Sounds <Yeah>. awful. <laughs> Jimmy Williams, yeah. Good old Vernon Wallace, man. He looks a lot. Man, I'll tell you what. Him and William Smith, if you click on his picture now. Yeah, I know. Him and William Smith could pass for brothers. <laughs> I know, they really could. Jimmy Williams stars in it, too. He plays Harry Kincaid. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I love Ooh, a Vern, Vernon Wills' character name, Paulie Giuliano. <laughs> oh, my God. Man, this this guy, Jimmy Williams, did one Cybernator from 91, if you click on his link. Oh, yeah, he's done some trash. I just was looking through it just now. Yeah, so. He totally has. <laughs> oh, he did one with a guy named, or a dude, or a woman named Sandy Palm. Ooh, I don't want a Sandy Palm in my life. Well, yeah, that, uh, whatchamacallit, that, uh, that one, uh, then Jumper, Joe Estevez plays a character named Sandy Palmer. Oh, so that must be a tribute. <laughs> Either that or there's a Sandy Palmer trilogy out there. <laughs> Joe Estevez, 246 credits. The guy has never turned down anything. He has no. uh, right now about 40 films in production. <laughs> oh my God, does he ever? <laughs> he just never. He never turns down a thing. He's the hardest working man in show business. And I'll tell you what, Joe Estevez, we love you, but San Francisco, really? <laughs> I told uh-huh. you he, he doesn't turn down anything, man. I mean, <laughs> the confession guy, of he's, money. He's got one called Horoween. That's oh. something you should have done for the Midnight Rat. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. High on the hog, he plays Agent Dick. Oh, my God. Here's one for the Mill Creeps. Aaron, Chris, you got to get the band back together. The Attack of the 30-Foot Chola. <laughs> yeah, he plays a character named Homer Soto. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man, it really is about Cholas, too. <laughs> yeah. This looks I gotta put. I'm, I got to put this on their page. I'm not waiting to do yeah. this. All right. Wow, okay. We've got to get out of the rabbit hole here because uh, it could go on and on. Yes, so, it could, especially with Joe Estevez's filmography. Yeah, fuck. What do you say, 300 credits almost? 246. Yeah, he'll be at 300 by the end of the year. Oh, Attack of the 30-Foot Chola comes out on Christmas Day this year. Amazing. Okay. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> the Suckers. The sound- <laughs> What's that? The Suckers. The suckers. The sound recording in this film is done by someone named George Manley. <laughs> George Manley. Manley Amazing. George. Thank you, Manley George. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah. Um, uh, oh, you know who the the main guy this reminds me of is um, Terry Richardson, that that pervy photographer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Who I think someone. Uh, one of our dear friends apparently looks like. Yeah, and he might be Man, him, actually. <laughs> he could be Terry Richards. You know, John John Fasano did join the group the other day. He did. He did. <laughs> he's, he's been a fan of Show Show for some time. and Yeah. He yeah. seems to have uh, He seems to have listened to Show Show recently, uh, judging by his post. The Willies, right? Was it Willies? Was uh, that the one he did? Or no, the Jitters. the Jitters. The Jitters, that's right. You, peep, you peep the Jitters? <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. That's right, good old Fasano. But then I felt bad because Mike Malloy knows the real Fasano, and I was like, oh, I hope the real Fasano doesn't see yeah, yeah, yeah. Bizarro World Fasano <laughs> typing in all caps in our group. And <laughs> I think I know who Bizarro World Fasano is. Yes, yes, I do. It's uh, 
I'd be willing to place a wager on that. Did you see? Um, but John Fasano's IMDb picture is IMDb picture is awesome. It's amazing for those who it's haven't the seen. The one it. with the sleeveless. Oh with god, the, it's the, amazing. The mechanics yeah. shirt. Like and I want to yeah, and I want to fully say, uh, as much fun as the false Fasano is having, uh, we love you, John Fasano. So please don't take any. Yes. Sense. <laughs> yes. If he ever ends up on our show, which he might. Yeah, yeah. Stranger things have happened, certainly. But I get a very much a Terry Richardson vibe from that guy, and that's when my next note was. There's no way they didn't. These guys didn't raise money for this film so they could be in it. Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's rough looking, right? I mean he is. He's but, sat, oh, he's not an attractive man. Yeah, and he's uh, rocking some serious '70s, late '60s, early '70s fashions that uh, don't work for him. A lot of no. white, a lot of white pants in this film. <laughs> There's a lot of white pants, <laughs> and I have to say it. And I wondered if we would see it. And this is not an exaggeration. There's a moment when he starts taking off the girl's shirt and he's working his way down to Florida. And my note, I'm in my head, I'm actively pondering, are we going to see her punani? We do. And she has more hair on the puss than he does on his head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, I have to say. Looks like one of our good friend Ken looks like his uh, goatee down there. It totally does. It do- <laughs> Not as much uh, salt in there, more pepper than salt, but. <laughs> But it certainly does look like his goatee. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have to say, like, for some reason they give us uh, simulated anal sex on the dusty rose sheets. Yeah, very strange. Uh, there's a lot of it's, – it's, 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 this isn't even uh, – you know what it felt like? And there's an image in here of a limp penis uh, dangling over a vagina. Uh, that's what it felt like to me, limp, limp softcore. Because I, I didn't – the girls are attractive, uh, attractive enough, I should say. I, I don't. They're, they're, they're. The one of them, I think, is looks like a, a brunette version of Joan Collins. She's in the the hot tub scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like her. I, the girls are fine. You're right. The girls yeah. are fine. Yeah, they're fine. Uh, the dudes. Yeah, I mean, if you're into this type of, I mean, and, when, and we into say older that men fucking younger women, then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, when I say that, I don't want to sound piggish. What I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, if you're going to go into a film like this, that the females, this is exploitation. So the females got to look a certain way. And I think they're serviceable enough for this type of genre. Um, the men do feel, and this is where that comment came from earlier. And we keep talking about the men Outside of one actor, the strong-chinned hunter guy. Oh yeah, the very the ex, no, but he and you know what's great about him? He's ex Green Beret. Oh, he has my favorite line of dialogue in the whole film, where he <laughs> says, "I'm probably suffering from jungle paranoia." Yeah, I'm like, what the hell is jungle paranoia? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, let's get that drink. You know, he's got lines like that and stuff. So I mean, he is really probably the most interesting thing about the film, and he probably. Could could have been a lot of fun if they would have taken it that way let him loose a little bit yeah but but they really don't let him loose he really only has really one strong scene and and nobody in this film's a great actor we should definitely say that off the top no nobody uh, again really... I, I did like um vandermeer though oh yeah, yeah he's fine um the a lot of the acting i don't know if you got this vibe but a lot of the acting to me felt improvisational like they oh yeah 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 there was just moments where they just kind of hung around and the dialogue felt unnatural. You know, like the director's like, look, I don't know what we need to say here, but we got to move it along. Can you guys just come up with something? Well, unfortunately, it just comes off as really unnatural as opposed to natural at all. Yeah, yeah that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, there's some... Uh, oh, I want to tell you the tagline for this film. 
sheer suspense will leave you rigid <laughs> in your seat. Uh, <laughs> there's a sheer nightgown. There sure is. Yeah. There sure is. Um, what else do we got here? Uh, brr, 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 brr. Oh, um, can I say there's a lot of hairy thrusting man ass in this? <laughs> I just found another tagline for this film. You ready? Yeah. The contract with the madman was an oral agreement. He oh, fed nice. them a line and the, they swallowed it. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's better, actually. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> I'm going to talk about something very personal here, I guess. A proclivity, if you will. I don't think we mentioned on the show. All right, here we go. Here we go. But I, I love sweaty women. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm a big fan of the sweat. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm well, glad you went that way as opposed to... Uh, I thought you were going to say hot tub scenes. I'm not a big fan of hot tub scenes. A hot tub, I'll tell you, till the day I die... Hot tubs are so impractical. Overrated. They're overrated in the biggest way because... Unless you're in there with Justin Oberholzer. Yes, because water is the antithesis of lubricant. I can tell you firsthand. (laughs) I'd rather fuck on... Sand? uh, I'd rather fuck... Well, that's overrated. The beach fuck is overrated too. Oh, yeah. It's sand in your ass, sand in your pants. Let's not even talk about sand in the urethra. Ooh. It, you better bring a blanket Ooh. because your jacket's not cutting it to put under her ass. I'd rather fuck on a park bench. And if you're uncircumcised, you're really fucked on sand. You're so fucked. Man. <laughs> you're you're gonna have you're gonna have uh, gritty jerk off sessions for days, <laughs> unless you're pulling that skin all the way back to wash. Ooh. And for the record, I am cut. <laughs> So, but I just want to say that I don't want anyone thinking that I'm speaking from experience. Of he's hemmed. Yeah, rolling, rolling. Well, see, are you sure sure you're not a Scientologist? Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I (laughs) I got to tell you, here in Canada, Tim Hortons has a promotion. Oh, really? uh, Yeah, roll it. (laughs) Roll up the rim to win. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. you roll up my rim, you win every time, bro. Yeah. Yeah, but the hot tub scene, hot tub's overrated. But, but uh, I, I love sweaty women. Like God bless her, she she died too young. I think she died in a car accident. Uh, and this was when I was more into because I, I is again, that, which one is that? Is that Lyle? No, that's not Lyle Van. Lyle Van's a dude. Was that Sandy Dempsey? Maybe. Um, but she was she was she actually the woman in the hot tub was good. Like the Joan Collins kind of looked like. But then the one that was riding the dude. She was pretty good too, um, even though she had some kind of ridiculous, li- like dirty lines that she was saying to him. But um, I love a sweaty woman. Like, do you remember Anna Mall? A N N A M A L L E. She died yep. too young. She died in a car accident. I'm I, I don't like pro porn. Another confession on air. I'm very much but amateur. But um, Anna Mall used to get so sweaty, and I love a sweaty woman. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Um, but she she has a great line where she goes, "Oh, oh, I'm gonna take you with me." <laughs> I'm gonna take you with me, <laughs> and she's riding him, and and she punctuates her scene with a near Elizabeth Berkeley fish flop. Yeah. It's it's a subtle one, but yeah, yeah, it's there. It is a fish flop, though. It is a fish flop. What's bizarre is that all the love making scenes, the music in it sounds like music that you would um, use to score a scene of Bambi in the forest. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not very swinging. <laughs> well. Maybe that maybe that was a touch, man. You know, there's some hunting going on in here, so maybe there's, that was a- yeah, good point. Although there's the one theme with the Joan Collins chick that's almost like a, it's almost like a pan flute kind of spaghetti western theme. 
Yeah. It gets it gets pretty lively. That's kind of fun. Um Vandermeer sounds like J.K. Simmons. Oh, no, 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 not Vandermeer. Uh, Terry Richardson, the, the the pervy bald guy, sounds. If you close your eyes, he sounds like J.K. Simmons. Yeah, yeah. It's to me, it feels like he had the most natural delivery of any of the actors. Vandermeer's character is obviously, is, it's very uh, pronunciated. It's very proper, bad guy, heavy type <laughs> yeah. of dialogue. Um, very slow speaking and stuff like that. But he, even though his acting is not good in the film, he, his delivery was very natural and i kind of like that although he does go over the top a little bit but i think he's supposed to mm-hmm. but he's not you know he i i, I get the, what you're saying he does sound like jk simmons a little bit yeah he does um i, I love his old-timey safari outfit that's great um special forces we talked about you know oh, that, I, I don't know if you know but you know Stu seagal i mean he's the guy basically responsible for fred dreyer's career i mean he's one of the producers of a hunter Nice, big big dryer fan around these parts. Mm-hmm. Um, which we at some one of the days we got to get to death before dishonor. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. good. Um, I love the line. It's so this film actually is is kind of mean and sleazy in spots. Yeah. Um, there's a line that uh, Vandermeer no, it's Vandermeer's henchman where he says, "It's hard to tell if she's more afraid." Oh, well, maybe it's Vandermeer. It's hard to tell if she's more afraid of being raped or what's going to happen after that. Yeah. <laughs> What a sleazy line. The one thing I liked about this film was they took the the most dangerous game mythos, the the basic plot of most dangerous game. That I expected, but what I didn't expect was, and I and I don't like that they use supermodels or models for their hunt. I mean, that just seems like if you know if you're going to go big game hunting, you'd want more guys like the X Green Beret. You know, totally. you'd, you'd want the hard target. Uh, type of you know you want Jean Claude Van Damme out there you don't want uh, or you know John Rambo you want you want a challenge you don't want models but then they took they put a twist on that which I liked because I thought this is really stupid but the models are there for the rape so what they do is is they say that they they tell you that the 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 Vandermeer character tells them this that you know there's going to be rape and murder. So (laughs) the girls are there for sexual satisfaction and the, the men are there to hunt physical. Yeah. So, so it's very, that, that part I liked, I liked that, that little touch and I wish they would have, they should have spent more time on, on that. Not that I needed more softcore sex scenes because the softcore sex scenes in this, I have seen, there are so many leg kissings in this film. Oh, I get so tired. There's nothing. Now don't get me wrong. I like legs on a woman, but there's nothing about, kissing on a leg or rubbing on a leg for you know two minutes that turns me on i don't i don't need two minutes of that well as we've often talked about neither one of us are a fan at all of softcore if i'm gonna stroke it i'm gonna stroke it yeah that's true it's gonna it's gonna be to um you say that's carter clarence carter you say that while i'm looking at promo material for monsters university <laughs> nice if i'm gonna if i'm gonna beat off it's not gonna be to softcore porn it's going to be um to hardcore and i'm gonna see some things i don't want to see you know the gyrating like the, the good camera angles to hide the lack of penetration mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything for me now i can I, you know films like this that kind of go a little over the top like they're not just exploitation they kind of have these these genre elements you know they're a little more fun um but it's almost like this this the softcore stuff cancels out the bulk of time that could be spent setting up fun genre stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right yeah I did love the gut on the main henchman. 
Oh yeah, the guy that rapes her at the back end. He's got a he kills one. Of, I don't think this is mm-hmm. one of the women gets killed pretty brutally. Yeah, that's a that's a nasty rape. That's a really nasty rape. But he's got an amazing big floppy gut. Oh, yeah. He doesn't undo yeah. his pants, yeah. and it's not doing him any favors. Mm. What's weird is that chick. Talk about a fast and loose woman. This is 1972, and she's got a tattoo of a butterfly on her thigh. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Saw that. Yeah. So, but she. Uh, but anyway, that guy is just so he, he's he's got a great gut, which is awesome, and he gets very he gets very bitey, rapey. Yeah, no, it's it's just, it's it's so sleazy. It's so <laughs> it is very sleazy. It, it, it repulsed me. It really did. And uh, I okay, so that happens. I love that. With these films, you know one thing is going to happen. One thing is going to happen, and that is the hunter becomes the hunted. Oh, yeah. So there's that. And I think there's some good use of slow-mo for what it's worth. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, for, for, for as far as the context of the kind of film it is, like they, they use the slow-mo efficiently. Yeah. Those are all my notes. The, the editing of the film is a mess, though. I mean, there's, there's some scenes where they, they kind of do flashbacks, like... The Terry Richardson type photographer character, they kind of go back and and uh, show a scene between him where he has a mustache. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's like, why the hell are you showing me this now? Because you give me no reason to. And then there's some other parts where it looks like scenes are missing. So it's definitely a drive-in type movie, right? I mean, it's <laughs> it's old school drive-in smut. There's a it. dreadful edit at this scene where it literally gets cut mid-sentence. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah, they're... they're I don't know. I, I like all, you know, I would make it my goal in life to see all adapt- adaptations of uh, The Most Dangerous Game because I do love that story. I mean, I really, you know, every time one of them comes across my bow, I'm interested in watching it because I, I just think it's a great story. Uh, unfortunately, this one doesn't really, really work. Like I said, it does add that nice little extra dynamic of uh, these men being not only, uh, you know, crazy uh, sociopaths, but they also are, you know, rapist and. And just real nasty characters, and uh, so that there's that's a nice angle there to add to an exploitation film. Um, but unfortunately, I just don't think any of the characters are interesting outside of the Vandermeer character, and even him, they don't really give him a whole lot except to hold a drink and wear safari jackets and stand on a rock, you know. And what's weird is they don't even give him like a great close up during his speech. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't also give him. They don't give him nothing. And uh, the other character, the. Uh, the ex Green Beret, he's kind of boring too because he, he's got like a little background story that he tells, but it, I don't know, it just it just doesn't work. I mean, like I said, I liked his dialogue and I liked some parts with him, but most of what he does in the film too is pretty boring. Um, and you know, if you're an ex Green Beret, you don't go into the jungle and then realize when you pull your gun that your firing pins have been removed. Yeah, that's the, I love that. that. That's the great mustache twirling villain moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right before he ties the girls under the railroad tracks. Yes. <laughs> it's um, it's really just a silly movie. I mean, I think the biggest problem with the movie is, honestly, for me, is it was just boring. Yeah, well, I think I, I like when they start getting going with the hunt. I just think it, the problem is it's not even the film's fault because I think if we're going to judge this uh, against other softcore films i quite liked it yeah, yeah if, i quite like oh yeah it, if, you're, if you're talking about this or forced vengeance i think this is better than forced oh, vengeance for sure but it's just that the genre it sets itself up to fail in terms of what we're interested in but but i i will say for the in the context of the genre i i did like it okay all right all right well i don't have anything else to add really uh, i mean it's really just a bare bones adaptation really and that's about all i got so let's hear your mvts and make or breaks 
make or break. The sun's coming up here, so I think my my sun will be waking up soon. Yes. Make or break scene is the, um, I got to go with the, what made it for me isn't really one scene per se, but it's the, the moment of, um, the hunt, right? Because that's the genre stuff. I could Mm -hmm. care less about seeing old gross dudes make out and dry hump naked 70s women. That's one of the, I'll I'll talk about it when I get to my make or break, but yeah. Um, MVT for me is uh, Vandermeer, man. I really liked him in his safari outfit. I thought he was amazing. Um, We didn't have enough of him. He didn't and have that big plastic safari hat, did he? I think. Yeah, he, he did. He oh, did. okay, yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's 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 the we'll put him over the top. He, that that was his Lincoln Hawk over the top moment. Nice. Um, and my score, I'm gonna say, I think I'm gonna be kinder to this than you are. Um, yeah, I think you are. I, I'm gonna give this uh, a six out of ten. I, I enjoyed it for wow. what it was. Yeah. All right. I, I thought that uh, outside of the the ridiculous kind of, uh, you know make out stuff yeah 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 um okay my make or break uh it's a bit of a break unfortunately more than a make i just didn't like the execution of this and the script and unfortunately i don't think they get to the hunt soon enough and i did like the hunt stuff i agree that is um the best parts of this film um is the hunt itself unfortunately i think the hunt is only maybe 10 minutes long in an 80 minute film so that kind of that kind of tells you where i stood on it uh, my MVT for this is the concept. I like the concept. I like the twist with the addition of the rape and the way they kind of turned this into a uh, a swinger's paradise out in the middle of <laughs> Southern California somewhere. Yeah. Um, I like that a little bit. And uh, so, I, you know, it, it had what I kind of liked, you know, as far as concept and things. I just think the execution was bad. And, of course, I think that comes down to uh, that Stu Seagal is – you know, obviously he produced uh, Hunter and some other stuff that I like. I think he's a better producer than he is a director. Yes. Uh, my score for the film, it's a four out of ten. I just, I could not, Ooh. I couldn't wrap my, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my uh, dangly bits around this one as much as I would have liked. So. <laughs> I couldn't wrap your hand around your dangly bits as much as you'd like. <laughs> yes. It must have been the sand. Oh, that's a good but, point. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, we definitely don't have time for feedback this week. No, that's just not going to happen. But it is what it is. Off the brakes. Yeah, we'll get back to that. Maybe we'll try to get some. We don't even know what we're doing next week. We think we're doing Diabolic DVD, but we don't know for sure. If not, we'll... Uh, We're probably not because of a delay with one of the discs from Japan. So we'll see uh, what we end up doing. I don't really have anything off the top of my head, so... Oh, I got a few. But, uh, I mean, I I got some, but I just don't know which one I want to pick, so... I'm not gonna pick. I'm not gonna roll the dice on a gothic Mexican horror from. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. not gonna do that this right. week. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll get to the feedback. Don't stop sending it in. Don't stop. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. I promise. I know we're terrible about it, but we'll get to it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh yeah, like I say, go check out uh, Scott's stuff. It goes in the dark. Uh, dot com slash Bandcamp. Uh, friend him on Facebook. He's a great guy. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter. Yeah, it glows in the it glows in the dark. All one word. He's a great dude. Uh, great music taste and uh, very much a genre movie fan. And uh, that's the reason why we hit him up. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the theme. Let us know what you thought of the theme. Uh, say something on the uh, Facebook group, Let's please, because it was very gracious and giving of um, of Scott to to put something together for us. It makes us feel really like cool too. Like 
Yeah, we, I put on my Fonz jacket this morning, man. We got our own, brother, we've hit the big time. We got our own theme now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking we'll make it my ringtone. Yeah. yeah. So we hope everybody digs it and stuff. It it really hits that the vibe of the GGTMC, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially if you look at that picture I posted of the GGTMC camping trip and you play that music over it, and you know what I'm going for. You know what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's all we got, I guess. Uh, no time for pleasantries. Got to rock and roll here. Uh, haven't said that in a while. Um, so with that I will say adios adios thanks for listening you can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com you can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207 and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com